right. Well, good morning. Good morning. <coughs> Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. And I, all the weight that I lost, I started finding. And stuff. We still have leftovers. It's, it's, it's insane, but it, it's been a really good. I'm very thankful I got to see my daughter and, and family and, and hang out and do all that stuff, a little bit of football and stuff, so it's not good. But I'm still kind of on that turkey lull. So we may be done really quick. So <laughs> it's sad if the pastor takes a nap during the sermon. So that would be horrible. But hey, I'm, I'm really glad you're here um, this morning. Um, if you're a visitor, man, I just want to say we expected you. Um, and we're glad you're here. We pray and we believe every Sunday that God's just going to bring us new people. And so we're excited you're here and, and uh, just hope that um, you get it, you enjoy this time and that you're challenged and encouraged like the rest of us. Um, but we have been doing this series starting months and months ago through Acts. And we're we're getting close. Um, we're probably a good year away, but we're, no, we're 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 getting close. We're we're going through the entire book of Acts and just going this journey. And 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 as I've said in the past, what I love about the book of Acts, it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't have an ending. It doesn't have an epilogue. It doesn't end with anything. It stays open because it's still happening today. Um, we are still part of that story that began, and that story continues through us. And, and as the church grows, and as churches are planted, and church goes on, and people go on, and more people follow Christ, and all that stuff, that story just continues to flow through us. That story just keeps moving through us. And um, but we live in a world today that seems to be more and more coming against what we stand for. Doesn't it seem like that? That that um. And there, there's all kinds of troubles happening. Our culture is drastically changing. Our culture, culture is constantly changing. And, and we really have two choices. We can either kind of huddle up and hide, or, or we can do something about it. And I don't believe for any measure at all that the church is defined by culture. I think the church can define culture. I think we have the power and the ability to actually change culture. And that's really what I want to talk about um, this morning, about disturbing the calm um, that we, we are agents of disturbance. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 19. Um, <coughs> if you don't have your Bibles, we have some around. Just grab them, put your name in it. You can have it. If you'd rather use an electronic device, I put it up there. We have a Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More in all lower caps. But, but today we're going to continue. Last, two weeks ago we were in Acts 19 kind of in the beginning of it, and, and we're, going, we're just continuing kind of through this chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in Acts. Um, but as always and forever, these are the only words that matter. They're the only words that count. They're the only words that bring change. Um, my words mean absolutely nothing. It's these words that mean everything. And so out of respect for that and acknowledgement for that authority, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read in Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 23. Luke writes this. He says, About that time... And there was a major disturbance about the way. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines to Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. And when he assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, Men, you know that our prosperity <coughs> excuse me, is derived from this business. You see and hear that not only in, in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hand are not gods. Not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificent come to the verge of ruin. The very one all of Asia and the world worship. Will you pray for me? God, I just thank you for this morning. 
God, I thank you that we live in a time like this. God, where it seems that so many oppose these words. So many people say they're just not important. They mean nothing. They're a fairy tale. But God, we know that's not true. God, we know that your word will last forever. You, Jesus, you even said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. And God, there are power in these words. Power that you indwell us with, Father, that we can go out and we can change the world, Father. We can stand strong. We can stand firm. And people will see your love, your grace, your righteousness, your holiness. God, and so we believe that. And so this morning, Father, I pray for fire. I pray that just a burning in our hearts would come about, God, that your spirit would move, God, that you would meet us where we're at, Father, that you would change us, that you would transform us, God, into the people that you created us to be. God, that you would just, just encourage us, give us your eyes to see, Father, the people around us, the world around us. God, challenge us, change us, Father, this day. God, let revival begin. Let something begin today that changes all the four corners. Father, I pray these would be your words and not mine. God, I pray you would give us ears to hear, give us a heart to respond, and the courage to live it out, Father. And most of all, God, that whatever happens, God, you would get the glory. So, Father, take this time, move in our midst. We give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, you know, as, as I was just praying and as I talk a lot, I love the time that we're in. And it, it seems kind of crazy. I mean, we have, we have persecution around the world for the church bigger than any other time in history it's great it seems like it's harder and harder to live out the faith but i love this time because i believe all my heart that there is a distinct line now between what a follower of christ looks like and what a follower of christ isn't and, and that line is becoming more and more and more clear for for each of us and, and so we are facing cultural hostility today you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, we just, the church, we just need to lock our doors. We need to huddle up and just we'll ride out the storm. And I don't think that's what we're called to do. I think there is hostility towards us because we are sharing a truth and we are sharing a life that that is countercultural in what the world says today. I mean, we have become the I culture. You know, I've said it before. Apple has made billions off of everything, iPhone, iPad, iMac, I this, I this, because it's all about me, and it's all about what I want, it's all about my preferences, and, and, and we're like, well, this is crazy, how can we live like this, but the good news is, is it was like that before, <laughs> it, it was like that, in fact, turn, turn back to Acts 19, Paul's here in Ephesus, beautiful place, Center of culture, center of, 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 of these d different temples and all this stuff. And, and all these things are going on. And Paul is here. With, and there's a people there that have no reference point of who God is. They, they have no idea. There's no point where they can look in their culture and say, okay, there's a God that created for them. There's, like, there's many gods and there's many different things. And there's all kinds of going on. And so this message that Paul is bringing is very dangerous and threatening to him. Look, look in... Um, so I look in verse 23 again. It says, about that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. I love that the first followers were called followers of the way. That they were identified by the way they lived. Not where they went to church. Not music they listened to, but by the way they lived. 
and stuff. And so there was a disturbance away for a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. And when he assembled them as well, the workers engaged in this type of business. He said, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people, saying that the gods made by hand are not gods at all. Not only do we run the risk that our business may be discredited, but also that our temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised, and our magnificent come to the verge of ruin. The very one all of Asia and the whole world worship. And, and so you see, this, there's this guy, he's got a business. Based on this idea that we're going to worship this goddess Ar Artemis. And, and we're making a lot of money. But also there's a message coming in here that's causing us a lot of disturbance. There's a message here that's dangerous to us. It's threatening our way of living. It's, thre it's threatening that. <coughs> and I love, I don't know if Demetrius was a very religious man. But I love that he throws that in there. Now, hey, we're losing money. And by the way, the goddess we worship, uh, yeah, it's not good for her either. I love that because that's the argument today. I love I was listening to the news the other day and and p these these politicians were picking out verses here and there and talking about different social issues and stuff. And they're just picking it the way it kind of fit them. And it, isn't it interesting that we can use religion, we can use faith to fit what we want. It's always been that way. I, I know people that have taken one verse and built an entire doctrine and theology off of one verse. And that is so dangerous. I know people that read the Bible that way. I've told you this before. There's a guy who said, I want to read my Bible, but I don't know where it's not. So he opened his Bible, stuck his finger down, and said, Judas hung himself. He's like, ooh, that's not good. Let me try again. Flip it. Put his finger down. It says, go and do likewise. Yeah, this is a, this is Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> I thought that was good. All of you watching on video, please laugh at that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But it's the idea that we just we pick and choose what we want and stuff. And even our culture, our culture knows this stuff. Knows enough to be dangerous with it. But there, there's hostility because really the actual, if we are living the faith that God has called us to live, we should be dangerous. It should cause people to be uncomfortable. It, it really, really should, and, and that, that's what's going on. But we live in a time where 1 Timothy 4, 3, it says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. And that's where we live right now. We want to hear what we want to hear. We just went through an entire election process, and I guarantee you everyone said what they thought people wanted to hear. We'll see if people follow through. But that's what we do. We, we live in churches that say, well, we don't want to offend or hurt anybody's feelings. And so we're just going to we're just going to talk about like the happy things. It's like Thomas Jefferson, the Jefferson Bible, you know, in his Bible, he took out all the stuff that he didn't like and left the stuff that he kept that he did like all the stuff about grace and love and, and the beautiful things And God is all those things. But there's a fact that God is also holy and he's righteous and we should live like that. And when we do live like that, it's going to cause a disturbance. You can't dam up a river that's flowing one way without causing something to divert and to change. And literally, that's what we're called to do. We are going upstream in a culture that is going away from God. And don't be surprised by that. 
It, it, it just, it, it's hilarious to me that we get so upset that non-Christians are acting so horrible. They don't know Jesus. They're acting exactly the way they should. It's more frustrating to me that people do know Jesus aren't living that way. We live in a time that they want to hear what they want to hear. But guys, I'm telling you, that's not love. It's not love to tell your kids just what they want to hear and never have any discipline, never have anything else, and tell them the things that they don't want to hear but are good for them. But that's the culture we, we live in. And this message that Paul is preaching, it's a disturbing message to Ephesus. If you get a chance, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Turn over to just a couple of pages over, a couple of books over in Ephesians chapter 1. This is the message that Paul is preaching. Listen in verse 3, starting in verse 3, Paul writes this. He said, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless and in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the, his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. What <coughs> It sounds beautiful and everything, but you need to understand something about Ephesus. Artemis was the god of kind of all blessing. In fact, you know, I, I would put like a picture of the statue up, but it's not really appropriate for church. It's just this very large woman. That she is the blessing of everybody. And so in Ephesus and in the surrounding area, if you had good crops, it's because you, you made her happy. If you had bad crops, it's because you made her sad. If you, if you had children, it's because you made her happy. And so anything that you got was from Artemis. And so Paul says in the very first part of Ephesians, the very first chapter, he says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's not some God that you made. It's not something that you follow or some plan that you have. It, it, is, it is God. There is one God, and he is the source of every blessing. Do you, do you understand today? And this is kind of a little rabbit trail, but I just want you to understand that everything that you have, every cent, every item, everything is from God for God. That he is the one. That is the source of every resource. He is the provider. And so this message. This God of prosperity that they're worshiping. They're finding out like it has nothing to do with something that you figured out. (coughs) I mean and today you know what just replace Artemis for your career. Your status. How many friends you have on Facebook. How many followers you have. Just put it anything else that we think that our blessing, our our value, our worth comes from something else other than God. You are you are sadly mistaken and you are missing it all. It is a dangerous message. But if you see, it also hit the pocketbooks. And and that what he said, he's like, hey, we're going to lose money because of this message. This is it. This was more about self-interest and money. And that's the problem when we carry the gospel. That's what we run up against. If you want to talk about the issues that we're facing today, stuff like abortion, pornography, human trafficking, all all these things. It is more about the money and self-interest than it is about right or wrong. Abortion has become a multi-billion dollar business. 
pornography, multi-billion dollar business. Human trafficking, is, it's ridiculous. And so it is about the money and it's about me wanting to do whatever I want. See, I, I believe, too, and this is a whole other message, I believe most of the social issues that we're facing is about our inability to do things God's way. See, because I, I think that God has set a standard for, like, the word sex. And by the way, it's not a dirty word. God created it. It's a beautiful thing in the context of what God has placed it in marriage. But I think all these things are about us saying we're going to do things our way. Because, honestly, the truth is, if you think about abortion, nobody's going to put on a billboard, we want to kill babies. It's about I want to do whatever I want without any consequences for it or any repercussions. It's about us doing things our way. And when we bring a message that God has a better way, it's going to hit people's pocketbooks. It's going to hit what they want to do. That's why it's dangerous. It's a disturbing message. So, so we're called to get into the fight. Um, I, I believe in peace, but I am not a pacifist. <laughs> I believe that we are called to stand up and stand strong. I'm, I'm not saying like picket and, and all this stuff. I think there's ridiculous ways that we do it and everything. I remember years and years ago, there was a movie that came out, um, The um, Last Temptation of Jesus. Or something. It was a horrible movie. It was a terrible movie. I mean, it, just, it came out, everyone fought it, but there was this newspaper clipping of this sign of a guy just there picketing the movie theater and yelling and screaming and and saying, my Jesus was never tempted. I'm like, wow, you have not read the same Bible as I have. My Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way. That's why he overcame and he, we can trust him. I'm not talking about like going and just like egging people's houses and throwing rocks through windows or being violent. I, I don't think it's called, but I think we are called to stand up and we're called to get into the fight. And I think we get into the fight by the way we live, by living out the gospel. I think we get into the fight by being followers of Christ and living it outside these walls. And that's exactly what was going to happen. But, man, we got to be willing and excited. I love this. Turn back to Acts 19. <coughs> Jump down to verse 28. So, so Demetrius caused all this ruckus in Ephesus. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. And look at verse 28. It says, And when they heard this, they were filled with rage, all the people. And they began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the, of the Ephesians. He just, he got them all riled up. Verse 29, so the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. And although Paul wanted to go in before the people, the disciples did not let him. Even some of the provincial officials of Asia who were his friends sent word to him, pleading with him not to venture into the amphitheater. I love Paul. I don't know if you caught this. You get this picture that the entire town is in a frenzy. It's in a riot. They're in this, and they all go into this giant amphitheater, and they're yelling, yeah, we go on our toes. Paul's ruining all this stuff. And what does Paul do? He's like, let me in there. <laughs> I want to go. I'm, put me in the middle of the amphitheater. I want to get into the middle. Of he wanted to run headlong, and they're like, Paul, Paul, please, please stop. <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of this. But I love that Paul's passion in his heart was like, no, there's truth to be told here. There's an opportunity, and I'm going in there, and I know they could throw rocks at me. They could kill me. They could do, I don't care. I'm going in the Colosseum. Bring it. I love that about Paul. It saddens my heart. I think it saddens God's heart that most of us as followers of Christ, we've been so, we get so worried about offending people. 
we start asking, like, well, how much is this going to cost us? We may lose stuff here. We may, we, listen, I'm going to tell you, first of all, the most offensive person on the planet ever to walk was Jesus. And it wasn't a bad offense. He just told the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And he stood on that. And when he approached people that were in sin, he blessed them, he healed them, he forgave them, and he said, go and sin no more. Stop doing this. And when the religious leaders, the political people were there, he stood up and said, man, you are just, you're hypocrites. He never had a problem. with. He wasn't worried about offending people. He was more worried about people being lost and not ever hearing the truth. He never worried about the cost. And that's how Paul was, and that's how we're called to be. Do you understand that there's nothing that we can face in this world that they can do to us? God's bigger. He's stronger. What are they going to do? Kill me? Great. I'm in heaven. I don't have to worry about another election or any other stuff or my mailbox being full of stuff. I don't have to worry about the hate or the anger. I don't have to worry about the division because I'm in God's presence. What can they do to me? Take my life? Praise God! Because <laughs> I'm in a better place. I don't have to worry about all that. We have to stop being so worried. I love Paul says this in the beginning of Romans. He says it very clearly. Why he ran into that, wanted to run into the amphitheater? It's very simple. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. Paul's like, you know, for me to live, for me to die, well, for me to live is to be like Christ. I'm going to face persecution. I'm going to face trials. For me to die is so much better. Man, we have got to get into the fight. And we do that with love, and we do that with truth, and we do that with, with the, God's word. we got to get in the fight. And by the way, listen, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you can't avoid it. The truth is, is the very first thing you got to know is you can't avoid the conflict. You can't, if, if you truly are a follower of Christ, if you're like, man, I'm living my life, I'm growing more like him, I'm becoming like him, I'm studying his word, I'm serving, I'm ministering, I'm doing all these things, I'm, I'm missional, I'm doing, you are not going to be able to avoid the conflict. That's what Jesus told us in, in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. I have told you this before. You go to a church where some pastor stands up or someone stands up in leadership and says, listen, if you just trust Jesus, your life's just going to be perfect and rosy and wonderful. Just trust him and give to our offering box. <laughs> Throw your Bible at him because he's a liar. It's not true. We follow Jesus. It is counterculture. We will have suffering. There will be trouble. You can't avoid the conflict. You can't. It's going to happen. But but the promise there is be courageous. I have conquered the world that no matter what conflict comes, our Jesus, our God is bigger than it all. We don't have to be afraid. We can be courageous. We know that it's coming, so be ready. The other thing is we want to get into the fight. If you want to make a change, if you want to see culture change, you want to see the world change, we want, we don't avoid the conflict. We stand there on truth. We stand firm in that. But then we also, we, our lives need to match what we're claiming to live. That's one of the issues I think today is that so many people are saying, I follow like, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't look anything like him. I'm not acting anything like him. My, my life has to match. My lifestyle has to match what I do on Sundays. 
listen, if this is the only time you sing and you worship and you praise God and, and, and you give them all you have is on a Sundays, let me tell you, you're not worshiping. We are called to do it every single day outside these walls. We're supposed to live like that. Our lifestyle should match. And if you're not sure, well, how am I supposed to live? <coughs> Might I suggest a book to you? <coughs> everything you need to know, everything I need to know about how to follow God, how to live for him is in this book. We, we are called to live that way, and our life has to match the way we claim. That's why they were so intimidated by Paul, because he didn't, just, he didn't just walk the walk or talk the talk. He talked his walk. He walked his talk. It matched up. And that's what we, we're called to do. Titus 2, 7, 8 puts it this way. He says, in everything, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach. So that any opponent will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. Can I ask you, does anybody have anything bad to say about the church or Jesus because of the way you live? I, I don't mean, I know, happy Thanksgiving, sorry. But I just, it's a good, <laughs> it's a great question. Do I live my life in such a way that people look at me and they see the gospel even before I ever say a word? Because that's what we're supposed to be. That's the way we're supposed to live. I mean, we're going to have accusations. We're going to have people come against us. But the truth is, if you're living this truth, if you're, if you're living this life out, in the end, they're going to just fall on deaf ears. There's just going to be accusations, and people are going to say, that's not true. It, it, it's, it's just not true because we've seen the way they live. That's our lifestyle has to match what we say we are. If we're not, it's hypocrisy. That's what the Pharisees were. They said one thing. They said, we believe in the law. We're leaders and we do all this stuff, but their lives didn't match it. And by the way, Jesus was the harshest to those that said they were religious than those that didn't know anything about him. It, it's always that. And, and so our life has to match and so, okay, so we know we're going to face conflict. We know it's coming, and so we're ready. And we're living our life in such a way that we're the church outside these walls as well as in these walls. But then, then we have to be ready. We have to be ready to answer. We have to be able to, you start living your life in such a way where you're living with peace and hope. And no matter what's going on, people are going to look at you and they're going to say, what are you talking, how do you live that way? How do you deal with that? And so we have to be ready. First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for that hope that is in you. And we have got to be ready to speak it. You know, I, I, I probably said this a hundred times also. There's an old saying that says, you know, s share the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Um, it was supposed to be quoted as regarded to Francis of Assisi. He never said it. And if you really think about it, it doesn't make any sense. If people see the hope and they come to me and say, well, how can you be so hopeful in your life? How can, how can you live that way in such a life and have peace in your life and, and, and be all that? How can you do that? And we just sit there and go, I don't, I don't know. God bless you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You have to be ready. You, you're, listen, I, I take all the pressure off you. For those of you that are afraid of evangelism and all those people like, I don't know if I can do this. You're not going to save anybody. It's not up to you. 
All you have to do is share your story. All you have to do is say, this is what God has done for me. And God will do the rest with that. That's all you have to do. But you have to be ready to do it. Always be ready. Always be looking for an opportunity for that. Don't avoid the conflicts. Let your life match. Be ready. And, and then finally, in the midst of all of it, stand. And keep standing. Paul, at the end of the book in Ephesians, he, he writes this. He says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand, therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like, an, like armor on your chest. And you can go on and read that whole passage about the, the, the armor and everything, putting on armor. But I love that he says, when you've done everything to prepare, when you've done everything and you're set to take your stand, then stand. I think the world desperately needs the church and Christians to stand and say, this is the line and we're going to stand here. And by the way, that's not going to make us popular. I, I can almost guarantee you, if not in my lifetime, then soon after, that these messages will be considered hate speech. Because we don't want, the world doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that there's only one way. They don't want to hear that, that, listen, you can't fix your problem. If you do things your way, it's going to end up in bondage. You do God's way, it's freedom. If you don't do it God's way, then you are eternally separated from him. It's a place called hell. By the way, Jesus spoke a lot. A lot of people are like, we don't talk about hell anymore. Yeah, can I tell you, Jesus talked a lot more about hell than he did heaven. Because it's a place that wasn't meant for us. Or you can do things God's way, and you can live in eternity with him in his presence. There, People aren't going to want to hear that. There's going to be pressure. I remember when I first started at Universal and everything, everyone knows I'm a pastor. And it's kind of cool because I'm not Pastor Tony. I'm Tony the pastor at Universal, and it's a totally different thing. And, and so people know I'm, I'm a pastor. And, and we had a young man that was struggling and everything, and so I was trying to get him help and everything. And I talked to one of the managers and everything. I said, is there anything we can do to help this young man and stuff? He knows I'm a pastor and stuff, and I know there are people struggling. I just want to make myself available. And he's like, well, you just got to be careful. I was like, dude, you're going to have to fire me then because if someone asks me about Jesus or asks me about the hope that's in me, I'm going to tell them. Because there are some hills that are worth dying on. This is a hill worth dying on because it's the same one that Christ died on. We got to be willing to stand even when it's unpopular. I mean, it's easy. I could, I could change our messages, and I could go into self-help, and, and we could have lasers, and we can show, like, just movie clips all the time and, and do all stuff, and I could never talk about sin or anything else, and we could probably fill this place. I'll offer pizza every Sunday morning, and we'll fill this place. <laughs> or we can choose to stand and trust God that this is more important. That's, that's what we're called to do. Listen, we're, we're called to disturb the calm. It's, 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 it's a natural thing that's going to happen if you're a follower of Christ. It's just, it's going to happen. If you're truly living the life that he's called, there, it's going to disturb it. It's, it's, people are going to be uncomfortable around it. People are not going to know what to look like. It, it's like years and years and years ago when I was in college and everything, I, I would work kind of a bouncer at a bar. And if you've ever been into a bar, oh, good, we'll preach about that next week. All right. I was trying to get more sermon material. Thanks, guys. Um, 
But if you ever notice, I mean, there are no windows. It's it's dark and everything. It's like uh, when I go to City Walk at night, like the lights are down. Like they're flashing lights, but it's like dark in there. You know how we get everybody out at the end of the night? We turn the lights on. <laughs> it's like cockroaches. <laughs> I mean, they, they just scurry everywhere. As soon as like in the, those clubs upstairs and stuff, we turn the lights on. Everyone's like, oh, let's get out of here. I mean, it's like they're vampires or something. I don't know. That's the effect of us in a world that's dark. You know the definition of darkness is the absence of light. There's actually no such thing as darkness. It's just the absence of light. And so wherever we walk, wherever we live, there should not be total darkness. In fact, that's, wh- that's what we're, we're called to do. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. Oh, no. For those of you singing along. <laughs> and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You understand if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I am truly living the life to the best of my ability, I'm not saying perfect. We, all, we are fallen, broken people. We live in a fallen, broken world. We all need a Savior. We all mess up. But if I'm living that way and that light is shining, man, it's going to shine. It's going to dispel the darkness. And it should give glory to the Father in heaven, not you or me, not some preacher, not some missionary, not some speaker. It should all give God the glory. We are called to be light. And when we are light, it is going to cause a little chaos in a world that loves the darkness. But we are called and we are commanded to get into this fight. I love it. Paul Chapel, he's a preacher and an author. He says, the devil doesn't persecute those who aren't making a godly difference in the world. If you're not facing any trials, any struggles, and I'm not saying it's all the time. I'm just saying, listen, I, old, old pastor friend when I was a kid, he would always say, it's like, if you're not doing anything, the devil don't care about you. <laughs> Live a life that the devil cares. We, we are called to make a difference. We are caused to cause a little chaos. We are caused to bring light. We are called to get into the fight. And that's my heart for this church. That's why we do things like Lottie Moon. That's why we talk about missions and how can we reach more people in this community. And, and, and our growth plan is very simple. Go tell the gospel. That's our growth plan. You go share the gospel. That will grow the church. That will expand our reach and everything. That's it because we are called to make a difference in this world and we can because Christ dwells in us that's the only difference we'll ever make because it makes no sense to me we can we can feed everyone that's hungry in four corners we can clothe everyone that's without clothes we can house everyone that's homeless in four corners we can take care of every bank account every bill if we had resources we could do all of that but if we don't share the gospel and their lives aren't changed they're still going to hell and it doesn't matter what we do we are called to make a difference, an eternal difference, not a temporal one. We can't do that unless we get into the fight. Can I ask you, what's your amphitheater? What's the hill you're willing to die on this morning? What, what's the thing like, man, I want to stand, I want to see it. Is, it. is it at your job? Is it in your neighborhood? 
Is it this community? Is it another community? Is it, is it a far land? What, whatever it is, I'm just saying, I'm begging you, get into the fight. We're in a world that desperately needs hope, and we carry it. And this morning, if you're saying, man, my life doesn't look anything like that. I just show up to church and stuff. I invite you to join, join the battle, join the team. I, I invite you to get into the fight, and it starts with knowing Jesus and then just trusting him for the rest of it. If, if you're someone that's just sat there and like, hey, I'm just going through the motions, I'm doing that, I invite you to get up and get into the fight. It's worth it. Can I tell you this? I was 13, 12 years old. I was at Port Charlotte Junior High School. It's now Port Charlotte Middle School. I think you can tell. Uh, we don't have junior highs anymore, do we? Anywhere? No? It was Port Charlotte Junior High School. I was in the back of science class. I had my friend Robbie that was sitting there. And he looked at me and says, why do you go to church all the time? Why, 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 why do you do this? And you always seem like kind of like you're happy no matter what goes on and, and school's hard and everything. What's going on? I said, well, because I know a guy named Jesus. <laughs> I'm 12 years old. And he died, he forgave me his sins, and I go to church because I know him, and, and it just makes life a lot, you know, it's easier, there's purpose in there. He's like, oh, I want that. And we prayed. I tell you, I'm 50 years old, I will never forget that moment. I'm going to tell you, you live your faith out, and you see it fleshed out in somebody else, you will never forget that moment. When you know for sure that it is God that made the difference, not you, not because you were eloquent or you were educated or you had the right thing to say, but you saw God change your life because you were obedient and you got into the fight, you will never forget that moment. Since that time on, I've been hungry for more moments. And that's why I'm always yelling and pushing and saying, go share the gospel. Read your Bibles. Go share the gospel. Go do this. Because I want you to experience that because there's nothing like seeing God change your life. And if this church ever becomes not about God changing life, find a new pastor because I'm going to go somewhere else. That's what we're here for. That's the never-ending story that continues through us. But it only continues if we get into the fight. Who's ready to fight? Let's pray.